Ball hit deep in the left center field. Wise back, back. Makes the catch! What a play! Wade Wise makes the catch! What a play by Wise! Mercy! This is the Shoeless Goat Podcast. Brent Brown drops the ball! He drops the ball! Three runs will score! You gotta be paping me! What in the hell are you doing? Welcome to Season 2, Episode 4 of the Shoeless Goat Podcast. I'm your host, Nick. We're a Cubs, White Sox, and MLB podcast. I am joined again by the mayor of Section 509, the Mr. Victory Modelo, Patrick Bovard. Pat, how are you doing? Can't complain too much, Nick. Still coming down from the uh, high, I guess you could say, from our weekend down in St. Louis. I uh, had a good time, and now it's back to the real world over here. So never, never as much fun getting back to that, but at least we have the memories. Very true. Uh, has your thoughts on the Sox playoff chances changed as much as your thoughts on how great electric scooters are? I wish I wish so, because I still think they're a fringe playoff team, but if they change like my opinion on electric scooters, then they would basically be a one seed in my book. So hasn't quite gotten that far. Like we talked about, those electric scooters are a blast in small towns like St. Louis compared in a nightmare in big towns like Chicago and New York. So let's keep it that way. Oh, does that, every time I see somebody going down North Avenue in one of those, just I'm terrified for their sake. I'm ter- yeah, I mean, we should have been terrified for our sakes, the way we were riding those things around. But. Hey, but hey, best way to do it, no fear. We survived. That's all that matters. <laughs> Um, speaking of survived, the playoff chances for both Cubs and White Sox as they have stayed COVID-free thus far, knock on some more wood. But in any case, we'll start the episode like we always do as a weekly recap of the games. Uh, I believe it is, who went first last week? Did you go first? Or did I, I? I think I did. I'm, we went 3-3, three and three, so I'm down to you know take the back seat for a little bit here. Sounds good. So I'll start with the Cubs. They were off on Monday uh, after a weekend off because of Cardinal incompetence. So the, on uh, in a lot of rest, it was curious to see how the Cubs would respond. Um, the World Series rematch with the Indians in Cleveland started off well on Tuesday with a 7-1 to victory. Big John Lester goes six innings pitched, uh, gives up only one earned run on three hits. So the extended rest was not an issue. Uh, Hayward had, had a home run and four RBI, and uh, the Cubs really never looked back. Uh, it was only a two-game series, so the second game, Wednesday, was all a 7-2 to victory. Uh, Kyle Hendricks takes the ball in that one. Uh, six innings pitched, one earned, and five strikeouts. Um, he would have gone longer, except uh, Wilson Contreras was ejected for, um, I guess, arguing balls and strikes. What really happened was he walked away and slammed his bat, and the umpire threw him out anyway. And in doing so, Victor Carantini, the DH, had to be moved to the catcher spot. So if you move the DH, uh, or I guess you, you'd know better than me, but if you remove the DH and put him on the field of play, then the pitcher then has to hit. So yep. NL strategy survives you can call it strategy anyway um just a little bit longer um so he probably could have gone a little deeper in the game but the bullpen didn't hurt that much uh bryant and rizzo had a homer apiece and hayward had two more rbi so six and two games in cleveland which just goes to prove he finds ways to contribute when he has to play baseball games in cleveland whether it's with his speeches or with his bat so the Cubs are on a kind of a tear. Uh, then it's a four-game set with the Brewers uh, Thursday. It was a 4-2 to two victory to keep the uh, keep the streak going. Uh, Darvish was a no-hitter through six, was broken up by a Justin Smoke home run. 
um, in the seventh. Bodie, Baez, Schwarber, and Happ are, are the RBI that uh, helped the Cubs get the victory. Um, and it's important to also note that Yelich is 0 for 6 after saying no one needs help hitting against Yu Darvish. So he has not hit Yu Darvish yet, despite all that smack talk. So just when you think the Cubs are never going to lose another game for the rest of the season, comes Friday, it was a 4-3 to loss. Chatwood was scratched due to some back tightness. Uh, Alec Mills takes the bump in his place, which is fine because he had enough rest based on the other days off. He goes six innings pitch, gives up four earned and one walk. Um, nothing to complain about there. It's not a quality start, but it'll do. Um, but the uh, offense put up three in the fifth, and that was it. Uh, it seems to be the trend for the Cubs so far is that they do score runs uh, in bunches, put up a lot of crooked numbers, but sometimes that's the only runs they score. So it almost would be better if they spread out the love in that way. But in any case, not a big deal, a one-run loss. And you're going to be hearing that quite a bit because Saturday was another one run loss, a 6-5 to five loss in fact. Uh, Colin Ray starts the game. He's usually a relief pitcher. He started in the past for San Diego, but uh, with Chatwood out, Quintana still mending uh, a stitched up hand. Um, Colin Ray gets the ball. He goes 3 and a third, which is fine. He's not stretched out and gives up um, you know, 3 earned runs. Susan Rizzo homer. Uh, this one actually ended up in extra innings, um, and the extra inning rule comes into play again. Your boy Avi Garcia hits a double, scoring Christian Yelich. This is the first hit given up by Jeremy Jeffers as a relief pitcher and the first run surrendered, which I think is kind of BS because, I mean, the run surrendered wouldn't have been a run had there not been a guy standing on second base when he took the ball. But in any case, they take the L in that one. Couldn't score in the bottom of the 10th. Sunday, a identical score of 6-5 to five loss. John Lester, 6 innings pitched, 5 earned and 5 Ks. Um, they had the early 3 nothing lead, but then Keston Hira hits a 3-run homer. Um, he's has not done as well against the Cubs as he's done against other teams, but this might be a, a, the trend. Cubs tie it up again, and then Orlando Arcia, a, I guess, proven Cub killer now, uh, puts his team ahead 6-5. to five. Um, In the... Ninth inning was very interesting. Javier Baez comes up. Josh Hader is uh, pitching, and it's a ground ball to Hader, who's standing in the first baseline. And as Hader backpedals, um, for some reason backpedals instead of just going right at Javi, he started juking and then slid what's seemingly under the tag to avoid um, getting out. Um, after review, he did clip him right as he was sliding, but it was almost another miraculous sliding play, one we didn't expect to see at first base. In any case, uh, Nico Horner comes up to bat, uh, only down one run in the ninth inning, hits about 13 foul balls, and then lines out to center field. Avi Garcia almost ran over it, but uh, made the catch. What I would have predicted would have happened is if he would have, I mean, walked, I mean, and there was two pitches in which they could have called ball four, and Horner took them for strikes. Uh, in any case... Chris Bryant was on deck, and after, usually, it's, it's quite often it happens where if a guy sees 13 or 14 pitches while he's in the batter's box, he's going to do some damage, and Bryant and Baez are a great example of that. They do that quite often, so I was really hoping for Horner to get on there because I think Bryant would have surprised us with a, uh, a walk-off slam, but in any case, not to be a 6-5 loss. The Cubs then go 3-3 three and three on the series, um, and then they have a doubleheader as we record today. Not looking good, might get swept in that one too, but that's something we'll talk about next week. Uh, but in any case, we'll take 3-3, three and three, still in first place. The, the rest of the division is not looking so great, um, but as of right now, uh, if all scores hold, it'll be a five-game skid in four days for the Cubs, coming back to earth often like we thought. 
Also important to note that uh, Craig Kimbrell had pitched well against the Brewers, so that's, I guess, a silver lining to a somewhat murky cloud despite the Cubs' early success. Two things. First, I heard Avi Garcia's name mentioned at least twice there, so it certainly feels like 2017 all over again. Did the Cubs fix Avi Garcia and bring back his all-star self? I don't know. I'll leave it as a rhetorical question because I know the answer for 99% of people will be no. But there's me, the guy that has his 2017 All-Star Game jersey, so I'll still believe. <clears throat> Second point, uh, yeah, after that 13-3 and start that I was hearing an awful lot about on that drive to St. Louis, it's interesting to see the Cubs falling off a little bit here. Um, maybe not the uh, absolute blowout lead they had in the division that looked like it was forming. What were they up, like five and a half games last week? But s- yeah, it's still, three and a half now. It's still a lot of time. but Yeah, still, I mean... That's what that's what you get out to that type of hot stretch to open the season for. It puts you in the driver's seat even with a skid like this. So, um, obviously, well, I know I have you have thoughts about the those Cardinals doubleheaders after how the Cubs look today. I have thoughts about those Cardinals doubleheaders after how the White Sox looked on Saturday. So, I'm sure we'll have plenty back and forth on that. Yeah, absolutely. Something to talk about after after the Sox recap, but uh, just. Important to note too, with a 60 game season, that start is still super important. I mean, okay, let's count 13 and three as the start. If they go 500 the rest of the way, of the you know 45 or so games, like it's a, almost an automatic guarantee for playoffs, which oh, yeah. is not something you could say around other seasons. Not to mention the extended playoffs. So I'm not worried about the Cubs making the playoffs. At this point, I like I want them to be in a good, a competitive position so that they don't have to play a game. You know the the three away games for the um, for the first round of the playoffs is, is kind of scary. Um, so you'd rather have those games at home. So I'm not worried about – I mean, obviously there is still time for the Cubs to miss out on the playoffs if they continue sliding like this. But that, that hot start had me uh, feeling a lot better about a 60-game season, that's for sure. Well, at least we can say one uh, team that uses a bear as a mascot in Chicago went 13-3 and this year. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Too soon. The, season hit, the Bears haven't even started yet. Well, I'm just setting myself up for realistic expectations here. Last year it was too high, so this year we're going to be uh, somewhere in the middle. Fair enough. Uh, we'll do our, our Bears pregame episode eventually. <laughs> our preseason episode, I should say. Anyway, um, we kind of alluded to it, so we know what's coming next. The Sox Weekly Recap. Yeah, so not a terrible week for the White Sox. Uh, went 3-3, three and three t- taking two from the Tigers and one from the Cardinals. Uh, kind of like the week that left them at 11 and 11 on the season, two games back of Cleveland for second place in the AL Central, and tied with the Rangers for the last spot in the AL playoffs. So how did we get to three and three? Monday we opened up a series against the Tigers in Detroit, and after dropping two of three to Cleveland the weekend before, uh, this was prime opportunity to get back on the horse. But unfortunately, the team did not perform up to that. Uh, level. Dallas Keuchel pitched pretty damn well. He went six innings and only gave up three earned. In the seventh, Jacoby Jones, uh, he got two RBIs with an inside-the-park homer that got past Adam Angle on a dive. Only White Sox score was on an Adam Angle ground out. Offensively, they only had three hits, and Louis Garcia injured his thumb sliding into second base, which was ultimately a season-ending injury. After the game, Dallas Keuchel did his Uh, best, you know, savvy veteran impression and called out the team for kind of going through the motions and not showing up to play. Um, Obviously, they responded because on Tuesday against the Tigers, uh, they had a huge first inning, Jose Abreu doubling in Tim Anderson, and then Eloy Jimenez ripping a three-run homer. Um, In the fourth, they added the lead with Edwin Encarnacion's second homer of the year, so good to see him maybe finally start to get going. They led the game then at 5-0. 
Detroit got it as close uh, as 5-2 in the fifth on an Austin Romine homer, but the Sox kept the lead with more RBIs from Eloy, Mancata, and Abreu. This was also Tim Anderson's first game back from injury. He went 1-4 for four with two runs. On the mound, Gio Gonzalez looked pretty good. He threw four and two-thirds, and the bullpen pitched four and a third with only two earned. Wednesday was the rubber match against the Tigers, and the Sox took it 7-5. Another fast start in Detroit for the Sox, with Tim Anderson and Eloy going back-to-back to to open the game. A little bit of a back-and-forth game from there, with the Tigers eventually taking a 5-3 lead on a Willie Castro homer in the fourth. But in the fifth, the Sox came back and retook the lead where it would stay. Luis Robert hit a double off the wall to clear the bases, and then Nomar Mazzara brought him home with a double of his own to give the Sox a 7-5 lead. Dylan Cease pitched well enough to get the job done. Six innings, one earned, five strikeouts, no walks. Bullpen shut out the Tigers the final three. And Tim Anderson was the star of this one in his second game back. Went four for five, a double, tri- a double shy of the cycle uh, with three runs scored and an RBI. So then we moved to Thursday where it was a scheduled off day after the uh, Field of Dreams game was canceled. So disappointing not to get that. But Friday, our series against the Cardinals was supposed to begin The game was postponed to a doubleheader Saturday uh, as the Cardinals couldn't get their uh, stuff together in time and had to drive themselves up 55 to to Chicago in rental cars. Uh, So it probably was an interesting sight to see a caravan of 40-some rental cars going up the highway, but I guess that's 2020 for you. Saturday doubleheader, uh, the first look at seven-inning doubleheaders for the White Sox uh, did not go well. Game one, we lost to the Cardinals 1-5. Uh, Game just got off to a bad start right off the bat with Lucas Giolito walking, Colton Wong to open the game, uh, followed that up with a Tommy Edmonds single, Tyler O'Neill and Matt Carpenter both getting hit by pitches, um, and then Dexter Fowler and Andrew Kneiser, I definitely butchered that, uh, driving in a few runs. Game was 4-0 in the, after one, which is never good in a seven-inning game, let alone a nine-inning game. After that, Giolito settled down, but the damage was already done. He finished with five innings, four earned runs, and five strikeouts. Sox only got three hits the whole game with Danny Mendick having two of them, so you're not going to win many games doing that. Game two against the Cardinals on Saturday, the Sox lost 6-3. to three. Game looked like it was getting off to a better start with a Luis Robert solo shot. Um, Paul Goldschmidt quickly matched that with his home run of his own in the fourth. Sox then took a 3-1 lead after Eloy's two-run homer in the fourth, but then after that it was all Cardinals. The Birds scored four in the fifth to take a 5-3 lead and never looked back from there. Horrible game at the plate for the Sox. Only three hits and two walks, um, scoring all the runs on those two home runs. It was a bullpen day on the mound with Matt Foster looking pretty good in two innings, but not a lot to look forward to in that one. So finally we go to Sunday after letting a team that hadn't played in two weeks absolutely put their their foot on our throat, and it finally responded with a 7-2 victory. Sox struck first in this one with an Eloy RBI single in the first, and then the game was quiet until the fifth when the Sox hit back-to-back-to-back-to-back. I think I said back four times there. Home runs off of Roel Ramirez in his MLB debut, very uh, nicely welcoming him him to the majors uh, after he had only pitched two career games even at AAA. Uh, the home runs were from Mancada, Grandal, which was his first of the year, Jose Abreu, and Eloy Jimenez. Um, after that, Sox led 7-0, and the game was basically over. Cardinals got two more, and kind of lost in that home run bonanza. was a really good start from Dallas Keuchel, five and two-thirds, two earned runs and four hits. Um, obviously not the way I would have liked a series to go against a team that hadn't played baseball in two weeks, uh, but at least we got a game on Sunday with a 
type of performance that might wake up the offense a little bit moving forward? So a few things. One, what do you think the chances are that we drove past the Cardinals on 55? Like, it's got to be 100%, I was thinking that. right? Oh, definitely. I mean, there was like a, what, a four-hour window there when we could have gone right past them? It had to have. Yeah, definitely. Um, I didn't know that they took the rental cars up. Yep. But uh, there's no way it was more comfortable or more smooth of a ride than the uh, Honda Insight uh, hybrid. Almost Hell of a vehicle. Part. Just just a machine amongst non-machines. But in any case, second question for you. Not The first one wasn't a question. Oh, that was. doesn't matter. Anyway, second question for you. What do you think is like less likely to happen? Four home runs back to back to back to back or two inside the parks given up within a week? That's tough. Um, because I know the Sox yeah. are the the White Sox are the only team to do back to back to back to back twice in yep. in uh, team history. The Nat or Washington being the other one. I assume that's the Senators, but if the Nationals did that, that'd be impressive in yep. that short amount of time. Uh, or it might be split between the two of them, which then again that would put the asterisk there in my opinion. Um, but yeah, what do you think is more rare? Honestly, they're both really wild. I So I feel like there's just so many more things that can contribute to the inside the park homers. Uh, like, you know, like Adam Angle diving for a ball he shouldn't have dove for. Uh, so I'm going to go with that. But, yeah, it was crazy to think that in the history of MLB, there have been 10 times where a team has hit back-to-back-to-back-to-back home runs. And there's been 23 perfect games. So that kind of puts into perspective how rare that achievement is. Because it's basically guys hit the lottery four times in a row. And in this case, they ripped them all off of a guy making his debut who got sent down the next day. So <laughs> not a great start for his uh, MLB career. So it, when Cardinal fans obviously rip off the LinkedIn player profile, that pitcher might be the top of the list of where are they now. So I'm going to be honest, right? Oh, yeah. I, I got to say, based off that performance, he's got nowhere to go but up from here. <laughs> yeah, let's hope so. Uh, even if that is in, like, working for, like, a logistics company or something. Hey, whatever it takes. It's good, honest work. It is, definitely. So, yeah, I, I honestly think, yeah, the more weird stuff has to happen for inside the parks than, like, just multiple home runs. And when, with a lineup like the Sox have where the, the, the meat is in the, in the middle like that, I wouldn't be surprised if this core did that again. Maybe not again, but back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, so three times um, within the next yep. next season, like next calendar year i should say well they let off today with back-to-back home runs to open the game uh this is that being monday uh second time in a week they've let off a game with two home runs so so lightning in a bottle i would say the firepower is there so we're gonna see some weird stats like that Uh, one of my favorite do you uh stats or i I guess coincidence do you think with this white Sox lineup that you will see and i'm counting this year and next year them walk let's say eloy with the bases loaded or mancata like a walk with the bases loaded. I could see it, maybe not for like a Yoan Moncada hitting second, but where I could see it is if you kind of, you know, maybe you have Eloy Jimenez batting fifth and then for some freaking reason Nomar Mazara is batting sixth or something. I could see it. Yeah, and it's like well, the only time that happens is when another team's up big. So that's yep. the other thing too, right? So the Sox have to have a bad start and then it'll be like six to nothing and then with two outs, Mazzara comes up, or Mazzara's on deck, and um, you yep. have, you know, Eloy up. Then you, they'd say, I'll take the run, you know, give up one run, it'll be 6-1, to one, as, of, as opposed to giving up the Grand Slam and making this a game again. So, very possible with this lineup. Yep, especially with that kind of stark uh, talent drop-off, you kind of get there around 7-8-9. 
Absolutely. Okay, so that is our weekly recaps, both kind of kind of meh weeks for, for both squads, but um, I want to say it's a long season, but it's not, so here's that. Um, so we forgot to do this last week. Uh, I'm not going to say that this week counts for two, but who was the White Sox player of the week, Pat? Yeah, so for me, it was a pretty easy decision. I almost, well, I shouldn't say that, I guess. I almost went with Dallas Keuchel for kind of firing the team up with that uh, kind of uh, charge to the media. But for me, it was Aloy Jimenez. Uh, well, he was struggling pretty bad going into the week offensively, but this past week he hit 391 with a 913 slugging percentage, uh, also a 391 on base percentage, so no walks, but whatever, I'll take it. Uh, four home runs on the week, nine RBIs and 23 at-bats, so you can't get much better than that, uh, including that one big home run against the Tigers to kind of pump them out to a lead while they were still in the midst of a struggling stretch of baseball. This week then puts him at seven home runs on the year, which is tied for fourth in the AL behind, who is it, Aaron Judge, uh, Mike Trout, and I think is it uh, Matt Olson, I believe. In any event, uh, seeing him out in the leaderboard there is certainly good, and the fact that it really only took a week like this to get him going is something that it, it was definitely good to see with how he and some other guys in the lineup were struggling earlier. And the craziest thing about him is all these home runs are to the opposite field. I saw this stat today. He has four opposite field home runs this year. I think that's more than like seven or eight teams in the MLB. So in a league where it's everybody's pulling the ball, he's hitting the ball over to the right field. So definitely Eloy Jimenez this week. Can't really argue with that uh, pick. Yeah, no, I can't argue with that either. Uh, for the Cubs, it was a tough choice. Uh, Jason Hayward did have six RBI. Uh, that was in the first two games, though. I would like to have seen that spread out over, you know, the, the six games that they played. I went with you, Darvish, in this one. Um, I think I've, uh, I don't think I've used him yet this this year. Just have a no-hitter through six um, is really impressive for a guy like him, especially he's a strikeout guy. He His stuff looked really, really nasty. He, um, and he gave up the hit against Smoke right after I put in the group chat that he had a no-hitter through six, so you're welcome, you. Um, more importantly, like I said earlier, Christian Yelich is 0 for 6 against him after shit-talking him on Twitter. And was even funnier was uh, Rob, Rob Friedman, uh, the, the pitching ninja, um, couldn't figure out what uh, pitch a Darvish threw on a specific one. He goes, can anybody tell me what this was? And you Darvish replied to the tweet, it was a splitter. <laughs> so I just love you Darvish's Twitter presence. And I love when he stays quiet because he, if he continues to just like silence Yelich, even if they lose the game, like it's still, it's a moral victory that we all, you know, the non-existent Cubs Twitter likes to, likes to tout. So we'll, we'll, we'll go with you Darvish this week. Honorable mention Jason Hayward. So that's good to hear. Uh, moving on, we alluded to it. Uh, the Reds tested positive, so they're going to be having this same situation, uh, one of the coaches. But the Cardinals doubleheaders, the Cubs are looking to be on the losing hand of one. The Sox uh, got, as you said, lost two of them. And then the Cubs have another one with them, so they play them Tuesday, a single game, and then another seven-inning each doubleheader uh, on Wednesday. So it'll be five games in three days. And it seems like advantage Cardinals, like for those doubleheaders. I mean, they've won three. It's looking like they're going to win four. Yeah, I mean, I think the other part of it, too, they got fresh legs. They haven't played freaking baseball in two weeks. And it's just, I don't know. I know we talked about this plenty over the weekend, but it's it's kind of nuts, the fact that they, I mean, obviously they had all these tests. I don't see any way they make up all these games. Like, I just don't see how that's going to happen. And, two, how is it fair to everybody they're going to play? Like, why should the Cubs have to suffer because the Cardinals couldn't get their shit together for two weeks? Like, it's not my—it's not their fault they went to the casino. 
Yeah, you wouldn't want to be going to the casino in St. Louis, I'll tell you that. No, uh, absolutely not, not. Not a clean place to win lots of money. <laughs> Who's to say, though? Um, but in any case, we'll, uh, we'll avoid that. I'll say we'll cut that out, but we won't. We'll just leave it. Um, <laughs> but in any case, um, yeah, you hit it on the head. It's not fair. It punishes everybody else. The Cardinal, I mean, obviously the Cardinals taxi squad is doing all this damage, but they've got the most to prove. So they're coming in fired up. They're coming in rested, and they only have to have the lead for seven innings as opposed to um, as opposed to nine. So I'd say most of their games after after Wednesday, a majority of their games will be seven inning games. Yep. Which is that, in absolute insanity. Yeah, it's gonna. I mean, it's gonna be, help carry the burden on their pitching staff. And that's another thing I didn't quite realize is like that game against the White Sox. The Cardinals score four in the first inning of a seven inning game. It's like, well, Jesus Christ, this game's already over. Like, yeah, we were watching it, and it was like, there's no way they come back after this. Like, no, because it's, just, it's such a kick in the gut. There's not enough time either. I mean, obviously, they could have easily put up five or six in the next inning, but it just doesn't always work out that way. Nope. But and anyway, uh, what do you know? St. Louis mucking up everything for the rest of us. What else is new? Just can't wait for the uh, best fans in baseball to start printing up the, uh, like, you know, us versus the world shirts. Oh, God, spare me. Uh, you, you know it's coming. You know it is coming. Oh yeah, they 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 feel like they're owed this. Of course they do. Um, so now onto the obviously the favorite portion of the episode, the LinkedIn player profile, soon to be ripped off by St. Louis podcasts everywhere. Uh, LinkedIn player profile, if you don't know by now, is where we go through the career of a old Cub and an old White Sox, and then find out what they're up to now using LinkedIn as a primary source. I'll be going first this week. Um, a familiar name to some, not to me. Um, for some reason, I don't remember him playing for the Cubs. But this is a, a guy by the name of Kevin Ori. He was a third baseman for the Cubs uh, a couple different times, actually. 1997 and 98, and then 2002. Career-wise, he's a 249 batter with 22 home runs and 116 RBI. Uh, about a three-and-a-quarter war player and a Indiana Hoosier alum. Shout-out Brian Fox. Um, so he was a first-round pick of the Cubs in the, uh, with a 29th pick, um, and had a solid, uh, rookie year. He was a finalist for the, uh, rookie of the year, um, losing to the eventual winner, Scott Rowland. So kind of tough there. Um, after his time with the Cubs, he went to the Marlins and they had to make way for him because a guy by the name of Mike Lowell was ready to come and start playing baseball, uh, for the, the fish. Um, so then he kind of bounced around free agent wise. He went to the Dodgers and was replaced by Adrian Beltre. Um, so, and then he went to the Royals, the Yankees and a couple other teams, but kind of fizzled out. It just seems like he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. I mean, imagine that, right? Okay. You lose your job to, or you lose the rookie of the year to Scott Rowland. You lose, uh, your job with, um, with the Marlins to Mike Lowell, then you go to the Dodgers and Adrian Beltre is sitting there ready to play. So just really unlucky. But in any case, he found other things to do uh, once he was done um, with baseball. Um, he was done about 2006 and 2007. He became a real estate broker at Grubb and Ellis full-time in Pittsburgh um, and then made the transition back to sports for five years as he was a pregame and postgame show for Pirates Radio, having never played with the Pirates. Um, so that was an interesting transition. Usually the former players of the team are the ones that get to do the pregame and postgame and color commentary, but they figured his baseball acumen was good enough to where he can hang with the, uh, the Buccos. And then after that, he went back to real estate investing on multifamily and 
private equity for Ori Holdings, so self-employed, his own real estate investing company, and which uh, is in the greater Pittsburgh region for with multifamily lofts. You go to his LinkedIn continuously, and it doesn't he doesn't uh, talk about the teams that he played for because he's a full-time real estate guy now, so no need to dwell in the past. But yeah, that is the the career and continued career in a different field of the former Cub third baseman Kevin Ori. Self-made man, love to see it. But uh, yeah, funny. He's like basically the human passing of the torch. Yeah, he's like he is like the Ricky Renteria of <laughs> of replacement level third baseman. <laughs> as soon as soon as it's there, it's like he's just there to keep the seat warm. That's it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So who do you have this week, Pat? So yeah, this week I got an interesting player from the White Sox, a 15th round pick from the Sox out of LSU back in. I believe it was 1993, uh, who ended up making good on his career and had a very interesting turn. It's Mike Soraka. So like I said, he was drafted out of LSU in the 15th round by the White Sox and made it to the majors two years later, which is pretty ridiculous to think about, going from the 15th round to two years later in the big leagues. Uh, his first year in 95 started six games with a 4-1-9 ERA, so not great. Next two years after that, 96-97, he split time as a starter and a reliever and appeared in 22 games total for the White Sox before making the transition to a full-time staple in the rotation in 98. From 98 to 2000, he was actually a pretty solid guy on the mound. Started 111 games with going 45-42, and 42, a 4-3-1 ERA and racking up a tick over 10 war. Uh, seemed to break out in 2000, just like the White Sox did, that whole kids can play year. I believe he was 29, so finally looked like he was hitting his stride. The White Sox won the AL Central, and he went 15-10 and 10 with a 3.79 ERA in 197 innings. Um, as I'll get to later, those innings wore down his arm. He started Game 2 of the 2000 ALDS uh, that the Sox lost to the Mariners 5-2. They were eventually swept in that series. He then went on to pitch in the 2000 MLB Japan All-Star Series, um, despite, as we are about to find out, having a very bad arm injury. Uh, So after the 2000 season, he was traded to the Blue Jays in a trade that brought David Wells to Chicago. So this is where things get interesting. He never actually pitched for the Blue Jays. When he got to spring training for them, they found he had a torn labrum and a rotator cuff. He had gone to multiple doctors, and I think it was James Andrews was actually the third doctor he saw that found this. So after a ton of back and forth, including the first-year general manager of the White Sox, Kenny Williams, basically saying, like, well, we told him everything. We, we didn't know he was hurt. Um, and the Blue Jays wanted compensation from the league or to avoid the trade. Bud Selig sided with the White Sox and basically said, well, the Blue Jays should have figured it out on their own. Um, the trade had already been executed. Bud Selig ruled in favor of the Sox, and the trade held. Um, unfortunately for Mike Soraka, his shoulder, which Kenny Williams referred to as shoulder gate, um, not a good move for a first-year GM to kind of mock a player he basically sold away in a absolute robbery um, for having a bum shoulder. Uh, unfortunately for Mike Soraka, never pitched again in the majors, having major surgery on his shoulder in 2001. He signed with the Cubs for 2003, but never made it back to the majors. And one other fun fact before we get into the LinkedIn, he was the first player to ever give up a hit to Garth Brooks in spring training. Uh, back in 99, Garth Brooks was playing, I think it was for the Padres, and had 22 at-bats. His one hit was off Mike Soraka. So not a good distinction to have in terms of talent, but kind of an interesting uh, footnote to have in the history books. What was Garth Brooks's alter ego again? We heard this earlier this weekend. Was it Chris Gaines or something like that? Oh, oh God. Are we talking about Darth? 
Darth Brooks. <laughs> no, not to, I, maybe Darth we Maul. were. I was. I'm mixing up country singers, but <laughs> the the Darth Brooks or the Garth Maul. <laughs> the yeah, so, must have taken a uh, double-edged lightsaber to just zap it into left field. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is going off the rails, so please yep. continue, Pat. Oh, yeah, so going on to his LinkedIn, he's actually had a pretty decent career. He is now an owner and franchisee of at the joint dot 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 the chiropractic place in Phoenix, Arizona area. Um, he's been there now for 10 years. Um, as a franchisee, he's responsible for all development and opening duties from A to Z. Everything, pre-development duties, including site selection, developing space plan, architectural plans. I could go on, but I don't want to read this whole freaking paragraph. Um, Let me stop you right there, Pat. Okay, so the place is called what again? At the... At the, the joint, dot, 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 and then all lowercase, the chiropractic place. So by adding the dot, 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 he is acknowledging his own pun, right? Oh, yeah. It got to be. That's that's brutal. But anyway, continue. <laughs> It couldn't so, yeah, just be clever enough on its own. You had to say, hey, you know, you guys know this is a pun, right? Hey, you know, I, I guess much like the pet shop business, puns are big in the chiropractic industry. <laughs> True. So before that, what was he doing for eight years and nine months? So this guy's got pretty stable careers. He was the owner and president of Saratka Holdings from December of 03 to August of 2012. It was a real estate company, much like your guy. Uh, him and his partner operated for approximately 10 years, which eight years, nine months to 10 years is kind of a stretch, but we'll, we'll let it hold. Uh, invested in properties throughout Arizona and British Columbia, so kind of a very random pairing there. Not sure how that happened. Uh, it included property investment, short and long-term rentals, spec home building, and property management. And just before that, he was the owner and president of Just Like Home Properties, LLC. Um, he also mentions that he was a player for the White Sox. Does not mention the Blue Jays. Probably uh, wanting to stay out of that whole... Uh, that whole uh, area um, went to LSU, and yeah, that's really about all there is. I think this guy's got an interesting mix of like having some crazy things happen in his career, with also just you know this kind of low-level LinkedIn page. But hey, he made a good for a career of himself after the whole Shouldergate uh, issue, and that's always good to see. Shouldergate is actually a really good-sounding name for a real estate company. You're, that's true. That, I mean, I'm just saying, like, if there was ever a time to use the LinkedIn premium free trial to send in the in-mail messages <laughs> to someone you're not connected with, I think that would be it. That'd be, just, but we got to let you know. But I just the thing I love most about that whole shoulder gate story is that this is like Kenny Williams' first crack at GM, and he's already saying shit like that, like... Oh yeah, like we shoulder gate, like we got this guy out of here and he's got a bum shoulder, but we didn't know anything about it. Like that just set the tone for his whole uh, tenure. I would say, just imagine like all the other GMs immediately losing trust. I mean, did a did a trade with the Blue Jays ever happen again under his tenure? Was the Burley trade, or was that just no? A he went from he went from uh, Miami to uh, Toronto. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So I, I can't imagine. I mean, I'm not gonna make you look it up on the spot, but I can't I, imagine Kenny Williams traded anybody to the Blue Jays for the rest of his time no, there. They, I think if I, when I was reading some articles about that, the Blue Jays GM basically had a quote that was like, well, we're not taking anyone's words anymore. Yeah, like passive-aggressive enough, but yep. to the point enough at the same time. Fair enough. That's a, that, that is a good one, and that's what we're looking for with LinkedIn Player Profile. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. So that concludes uh, Episode 4 of the Shoeless Goat Podcast. Uh, we're going to end the episode like we always do, of course, with a question that Pat hasn't heard, and it's a little bit more uh, about our previous weekend in St. Louis than anything else. Pat, you spent four years of college there, so you have more insight into the town than me. 
But if you had to forget about your four years of college and just encompass the city as a whole based on solely this weekend, all I'm asking is, what are your thoughts on the city of St. Louis in terms of cleanliness? Well, when there's nobody out past 11 p.m., it's about as clean as it gets. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's as much of a natural monument as the Mississippi River is, the mighty Mississippi flowing down there. Uh, right past the Casino Queen from our hotel window. It is not a pretty sight. It is not easy on the eyes. Uh, unlike Lake Michigan here, so it's, I don't know. I, I have, like you said, I have a special connection to the city, but it's, uh, objectively speaking, it's not a, a place I think I'd want to spend more than four years of my life. Yeah, I said no more than four days because that town is an absolute dump. Not to say that we had, <laughs> didn't have a good time because we certainly did, but that was more about the company than the city itself. So, uh, but in any case... Always good to end an episode crapping on St. Louis. Uh, we like to do that anyway, but um, you can listen to the podcast on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. Um, Pat, thanks again for uh, doing this. We were thinking of recording on the way home, but uh, rough hangovers. There was no way. There was no way. <laughs> I just can't even imagine no, doing that. I could not have. I mean let alone having to try to figure out how I'm going to read a LinkedIn while I'm driving, which, the, like we mentioned, the Honda Insight has tons of great features, excellent vehicle, unfortunately does not have integration with LinkedIn on the uh, infotainment center. Apple CarPlay, you're fucking up right now. But <laughs> and could you imagine the, the LinkedIn app for you your pull car? Pull up LinkedIn on Apple CarPlay. That would, have been, that would have been some content. Oh, absolutely. In any case... Uh, thank you for listening. We'll be back around the same time next week. And remember, everyone, Yadi Molina is not a Hall of Famer. Go Cubs, go White Sox, go baseball. See you next week. Come on, baby.